Welcome to the Learn Perform Mixtape. I'm your host for this podcast, Laura Pasquini. I created this podcast to prepare me and maybe you for the Certified Professional Learning and Performance Exam, the CPLP. These series of podcasts will be my open study notes. Welcome to the learning. So if you heard the last episode 1.4 on root causes, you not only heard my fantastic rapping skills, but you have some ideas for what the central issues are. So now let's move from the causes and the problems to find solutions. So 1.5 approaches for selecting improvement solutions are what we're going to do in this area of performance improvement area one, subsection 1.5. The terminology for this section includes performance improvement solution, improvement solution, or just solution and solutions. The terminology would really depend on the organization and the client that you're working with, and you want to go with whatever they use. So this section, if you're studying for the CPLP exam, you're going to look at the following objectives for approaches for selecting improvement solutions. They are listing the six categories of interventions. So we're going to talk about that. Listing three decision-making matrices and methods, along with their advantages and disadvantages. You'll need to know five activities to build customer-client relationships and their benefits, and describe what a talent development professional needs to know about budgeting, cost, and when to recommend solutions. You want to examine the choice of specific improvement solutions, and if that fits the organization's culture, and how to identify that culture. And then you'll want to explain why describing advantages, features, and benefits for any solution is really important, and the ethical considerations for potential solutions when you're giving them to an organization or a client. So there are a wide variety of solutions. Nothing is really that simple and straightforward. And if you looked at the root causes and you listened to that episode, you find that there's probably multiple solutions and needs to help the organization address their challenges. It's going to be critical to explore key factors in this step of the root causes before you move to the solution improvement process. So you want to know the current state desired state, organizational attitudes, traditions, customs, culture, and that leadership style within the organization. So before you give a solution and the options, you want to think about the advantages and disadvantages for each solution in context to that specific client or org. So when you're looking at performance improvements and you're looking to select it, you want to jump back to what we did in 1.3, the business performance gap analysis episode, and think about conducting a resource analysis. This analysis is also known as a constraints analysis. So what you have and what you don't have. So reviewing the humans, those are like the people, the subject matter expert, the SMEs, um, and needed for that proposed solution. You want to see what skills are required or available. So are there in-house skills or do they need to contract someone outside? This would be an external vendor, another partner, things that move them forward. You want to identify the physical resources. Those could be the systems, technological, hardware, and equipment to support the implementation for the solution. Are they available? And do they have the required facilities to house them? As a performance improvement or talent development professional, the skills and knowledge you bring are great, but are they the right competencies and experiences needed to get support for this client? Or do you have to say, hey, I need someone else to help with this solution? So that's something really critical to identify. You don't have to do it all if you can't. You want to find the right people in person to do the work and support the work towards this performance improvement solution. And then there might be multiple causes. Like I said, one problem might have multiple problems and require multiple and many solutions. So you want to take the Pareto, the 80-20 rule that we talked about back in episode 1.3. You're going to want to determine the largest issues and causes, and those are the root causes to address with your solution. 
The behavior engineering model that was mentioned back in episode 1.2 looks at the systematic approach to identifying barriers and difficulties that might occur in the workplace to block reaching the desired outcomes that the organization wants to get to. So that optimal performance. So if they're not able to recognize current and potential problems, that could be one thing in the system that's going to impact them long term, as well as educating managers and employees about what success looks like for performance at work. You want to identify and involve key stakeholders, both uh, to understand the results and knowing during each phase what's going on and how that's being measured. You want to get an agreement for evaluation criteria to measure what success looks like with this solution and help the stakeholders identify strategies. So this might be a learning and performance support that they will need along the way. So this section gives some potential solutions, right? Because there's always room for improvement. So every one of these six that we're going to go through will be ways and things that you need to consider improve. So you may have them from your own work experience. Like the first one is improving on structure and the process. So how the organization is set up, what does that org chart look like? Who's reporting? Might have issues if there's conflict within them. So this could be a conflict with an employee dynamic or a situation or reporting. Root causes are often around conflicts in leadership, uh, logical reporting issues. Maybe there's no accountability or the distribution of work is unfair, uneven. So that's a possibility. Maybe there's redundant or incomplete work processes and workflows, or your employees there are misaligned. So when they were hired, they don't have the required skills to hit those tasks. So all of this suggests that uh, solutions for this area could be uh, around conflict management. So manage, managing those conflicts, maybe there's a culture reshaping, maybe process leadership. So getting your managers trained and identified what that will look like on improving processes. Obviously, if they don't have them already, performance appraisals, you know, those reviews and evaluations that let people know how they're meeting, what they're required to do within their job portfolio. If you're really good at having, you'll have them annually at least. And then you'll have some ways to check in on improving on the performance and what you'll do to develop or train or learn more about that. Another thing would be hiring more staff staff or reassigning jobs or job functions and identifying when you interview talent in that job interview if they're right for the fit, for the role, the position, and the company. The second problem and room for improvement is around improving resources. These are the physical resources. So they could be equipment, the facilities where you work, uh, what you use, the hardware, the software, and all that kind of things. Some root causes are often materials are inferior, incompetent, uh, broken equipment, missing equipment, inaccessible tools, or maybe it's even slow or hard to get new equipment, tools, or materials that others have to compete to get those resources. A few su- suggested solutions would be ergonomic and human factors, so doing like an assessment of what that workplace environment looks like. Uh, maybe there's some need to put some tasks to automation or computerization. So we have switchboards answering phone calls to intake forms that are online on the internet instead of routing to emails, single emails. Physical resource management plans should be in place so people know what's in the inventory, what needs to be ordered, and when do things need to be replenished, updated, serviced, and supported. So you want to have that whole kind of physical um, inventory plan there to organize. The third area, then problem that we can help with a solution is improving information exchange. This is a common issue in a lot of places. So specifically, this is the management, storage, and distribution of information around the individual employees, the teams, the departments, or units within the organization. 
So I can say that a lot of people have issues and the root causes include not getting the information on time, uh, getting inaccurate, irrelevant, or even complex information. Maybe the format of how it's shared is inaccessible or you can't reuse it. And there's no standards of how information is shared. It's um, maybe inadequate or incompatible with some of the technologies. So examples could be like a filing system that's out of date that you can't share digital and analog files together that they need to come up with a new process or idea for storing those files and systems in an accessible cloud-based solution. Suggested solutions could be thinking about a knowledge management plan altogether. Um, Thinking about what that looks like in terms of your storage, uh, your networks for information, meetings, um, having regular meetings with dialogue and conversing or sharing things through newsletters, listservs, um, publications, things like that. You might even have opportunities to create PR campaigns and debriefing after incidents, events, and reports, or using the balanced scorecard management system. So this is not a measurement system. So from business speak, this is a way that you can measure key aspects of uh, things going on in your organization. So it's a means of setting and achieving strategic goals and objectives for your organization and then measuring that you've done that. So I put a link into the what is a balanced scorecard for dummies link to explain it a bit further. The fourth area for improvement is knowledge and skills. So it's really essential to know what you have to do and how that looks like in applied settings, especially for optimal job performance. Root causes might be simply your employees don't know how to perform a task or they don't understand the behaviors or skills or knowledge to complete that task. So they're not developed or they're confused about the steps in sequencing for how they should be performing. Suggested solutions include accelerated learning. So this might be multiple modal approaches for learning, a competency model. So you have a kind of standards that you would expect them to complete and behaviors, actions, knowledge, um, act action learning, training, coaching, electronic performance systems. So they sometimes will have a learning management or mobile training system they use. Uh, Maybe there's job aids and on-the-job training. So maybe they have a digital manual they can go and search for online if they want to remember how to do a quick task or an action. Then training them through use of case studies, role plays, and experiential activities will really get them involved and have them practice these kind of learning strategies. So you've probably done this role playing before. And you want to also encourage social learning. So learning from their peers, peer to peer, and also self-directed learning. So where could they go find more information or train or tool up if they need more? The fifth area is improving motivation. So your employees' levels of interest, enthusiasm, and commitment have dwindled. Some of these root causes are typically from the lack of feedback that they get. Maybe there's conflicting values or competing priorities in the org. So what they value is not the same as what the organization wants. Maybe there's poor incentives or maybe no rewards at all. Um, The other issue could be the lack of cutative actions if there's something that was poorly done, a behavior that's unwanted. So not having a compensation and benefits or having a poor structure of where skills, information, resources also creates lots of deflated um, employee performance and lack of motivation. Some suggested solutions would be obviously to put in a rewards and recognition, or even a full compensation system into place. So they know how performance is measured, what are some benefits for um, advancing, and if there's some incentives along the way for a team or individual to do that. 
some engagement efforts I've seen. So we've seen this from employers putting Fitbits into um, their company policy for health and wellness and teams that are as active or involved or hitting certain steps will also be rewarded by some sort of outcome at the end of the month. We've also looked at motivation systems and just ways to build the team. So maybe there's an incentive to work on a project or there's a competition that's external, that's a case study. They've offered a few different ways to incentivize and motivate teams and the whole organization. The last area for improvement is wellness. Factors related to the employee's physical or emotional well-being that impact performance at work. So root causes, obviously we hear work-life balance a lot, it's thrown off because the employee's career and ambition is competing with their health, family, leisure, time, and more. Some root causes might be just poor mental or physical health issues that your employee is dealing with and they aren't being able to attend to because their schedule doesn't allow. Maybe they have stress and burnout because they've got extreme workloads or not the right kind of work that they should be working on in their portfolio. So they're trying to do more with less or filling in a gap for an employee that might have left. There may also be family obligations that come up. So whether it's having welcoming a new child into your family or attending to someone else that needs elder care, um, there could be something that's going on that requires external needs for your family outside of the office. And then finally, we've also seen some causes around substance abuse, whether it's alcohol, drugs, or some other addiction that's related to impeding their work on the job. So suggestions, solutions could be around uh, work-life balance correction. You want to think of employee assistant programs. So are you offering folks um, a wellness and nutrition if they need to seek out counseling or some sort of rehabilitation program? Are there ways that they can get uh, discounts, access, and programs built into your whole human resource area and in your organization? Um, are there ways that you can manage and check in on their energy levels? Are you thinking about win-win negotiations for um, how they can best take care of themselves while also attending to the needs of the company. So it's finding that way to balance and level out both work and external, uh, their personal family life as well. And then finally, offering uh, workplace violence prevention or other preventative things that are proactive instead of reactive to some of these wellness issues. So we've seen an increase in meditation and being mindful at work. And you've seen companies that have sponsored like using that Calm or Headspace app. So they give them discounts. Um, other things I've seen have come up for um, healthy eating and well-being. Um, just thinking about attending to the physical, mental, and emotional well-being of your employees is critical. So for any of these solutions, those six listed, the partnership creation support will be really critical because the clients you work with can either help or hinder any of these solutions. So you want to find experts and specialists in the orgs that you're working with who have good listening skills, can build trust and respect one another and their colleagues to reach the goals and desired outcomes for that client. So with so many problems, there come so many solutions, but how do you help your clients and organizations select the right solution? The Suggestions include in this kind of learning CPLP book are decision-making matrices and methods. There's many of them, but I'll share the three that they mention. There's multi-voting. So the it's kind of the way that you get a nominal group techniques, the way you get groups together and you have them brainstorm a wide range of responses to an issue. So what's the problem? What do we think the issue and solution could be? Get them to clarify the responses and then vote up or rank the top issues from the most to least critical rank order will select out the solution that group goes with. 
the affinity and interrelationship diagraph that we talked about in episode 1.3 enables stakeholders to see what the root causes are and the largest impact they might have on the organization. So this would relate to specific issues, networks, relationships they have. So you go back to 1.3 to learn more about the affinity and interrelationship diagram and diagraphs they have. The third one they mentioned is countermeasure matrix. It's a decision-making tool to identify the appropriate countermeasures for the root causes of the issue, as well as it helps to identify and rank one to three potential solutions. So the matrix that they have is a grid to look at the cost, time, and action also required for the solution. It would rank it. I put an example of a template in there from the Six Sigma online group. If you want to take a look at yourself. So the example I read and saw was a good one around pedestrian life. So the objectives might be to reduce speed of motor vehicles, and they have to think about the law on the roadway, crossing locations, transit, road design, intersections, traffic calming. And so you you would check off where that item would sit across the matrix decision solution. So it's it's like a graph, and you can go and check out the example in the episode notes. Between all of these, they give advantages and disadvantages. So multi-voting, it's great, right? It involves the team, involves um, dynamics, issues, gives empowerment to those that are going to vote and be a part of it. It gives some sense of closure for your groups that are going to vote on it. That being said, the disadvantages, it does require some prep time. And it does require clearly defining the problems with like one single case Um, You want to have someone to facilitate a really good discussion that's minimal because it gets you to the point of getting to action. And it doesn't always allow for the full development of ideas. The affinity and interrelationship diagraphs are the ones where you put in root causes with potential solutions. um, Really encourages a balance of the input and gets everyone's ideas. It encourages like open thinking, um, cost-effective solutions, and you can build consensus with your groups. Uh, You often display all the ideas, you understand how others are thinking, and it's really good for large or complex issues if there's multiple things you want to solve. I will say some disadvantages are it takes time. So they recommend at least two hours. Uh, You have to eliminate all distractions, (laughs) devices, technologies for those who participate because they have to really be regimented and part of this process. So thinking about that, you want full participation. And sometimes participants uh, may not want to be part of like a silent portion if they are asked to reflect. And it doesn't always give the systematic cause and effect. So thinking back to Gilbert's behavioral engineering model, you're not going to see the whole systematic process or show causal interdependencies. So if you want them to participate, I will say suggestions from this book on can are looking for full participation, mutual understanding, and shared responsibility with inclusive solutions are really key. So that strong facilitator is looking at the participation in that culture. So if you have that, then you might have a good chance. The countermeasure matrix has some advantages. So it encourages critical thinking. It identifies causes, solutions, and implementation priorities, and it puts into an action plan. So you're going to leave this discussion with your group with something you're going to take forward and implement a solution, right? Disadvantages, you have to have the right people involved. So it may not include everyone, all your stakeholders in the org, but key people that will lead this sort of action and improvement. It might be difficult to get balanced participation. And so you may have one-sided points of view if you have less people at the table. And it tends to be a complex process. So those of you that look at this matrix may understand why. For all three, common mistakes by any professional looking to help with solution of performance and talent will 
possibly do the following failures in their life and make mistakes, right? So these are the common mistakes, not uh, per- not partnering or collaborating with the client and the organizational st- stakeholders. Maybe you're failing to consider the organization's culture and what they're about with the solution. Another failure could be adapting to the client and their needs and priorities. So maybe you've suggested something that's not aligned with anything they're interested in doing. And finally, the other last failure and common mistake made by a performance professional might be a failure to manage change and understand what the barriers for this change is. I'm not going to get into it now, but you could stay tuned to the next episode, 1.6, where I talk all about change management. Until then, ciao. Thanks for listening to the Learn Perform Mixtape. If you're liking this podcast, subscribe, tell a friend, give me a like, and give me a review. If you're studying for the CPLP or you have already, let me know. I'd love to chat and I'd love to get your advice. Comments, questions, thoughts, and love are always welcome. And I have my details in every episode notes. So please reach out. Let's connect.